Hi, I'm Stuart Whiting and welcome to Recovery His Way on the campus of His Way in Huntsville, Alabama. Joined today by Ed Ditto. Hi, Ed. Hello, Stuart. Ed's a, a longtime <laughs> supporter and volunteer here at His Way. And we're recording this on a Wednesday because you're here every Wednesday, at least every Wednesday. And tell us a little bit about what you do on Wednesdays. Okay. Here's the commercial. <laughs> it's called MRT, lovingly. The uh, real name is Moral Recognition Therapy, whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were told what that was, you and I were, when we were in class. And what it basically means to me, my translation is, we're taking men whose mindset, whose worldview is one thing. Right. Whose way of thinking is one thing. And we're letting them use this material in their studies, in their conversations to reprogram. Mm. You and I understand reprogram. Uh, wipe out the old software, put in new. Yeah. Um, we're trying to help them do that. And thus, the title of the book, Escape from Your Prison. So, how to do that with people is we're letting them do themselves by using this material. It's really pretty good material. It's interesting because uh, it has the word moral in for the M, but it, and we're a Christ-centered uh, moral. Yeah, and, and those words go together, and yet this particular program is not strictly based on a biblical. Um, biblical principles. It is based on biblical principles, but it doesn't reference the Bible in any way that, that way, which I found very true. interesting. And it is um, considered an evidence-based, mm -hmm. scientific-based um, mm -hmm. program that the court systems, almost every state in the union, uh, will recognize that mm -hmm. this program is a great alternative to sending someone to jail for drug abuse mm -hmm. and, and even for some criminal behavior. Right. Um, what have you seen in it as you go through week to week with the guys that has impressed you about you know why it's bringing value uh, for that reprogramming? Stuart, that's good. That's good. I'll, I'll go to something here that I always take men to. And it's this page where the ladder is, the ladder. Yeah. And it starts off in the first step talking about honesty. Mm. And men have to, to figure out that they are not honest when they start this. They wouldn't be addicts if they were honest. Right. Uh, so I've learned. Um, and so we work through honesty and, and, and try, to, try to help them become less dishonest mm -hmm. is a way to say it then work up through trust they don't trust anybody yeah. they don't even trust themselves right. I've learned and then work through acceptance and on up the ladder uh, through helping others instead of themselves by service projects and different ways to get up this ladder um, it's always been interesting to me that one of the topics in here is non-existence they don't exist Hmm. They're in their world and right. nobody so, knows they're there. Yeah. Um, in fact, we've seen that over and over again, um, that uh, one way addiction will really grab hold of someone is it starts to isolate them. Isolate. And, mm -hmm. and, and when, when, when one of our residents starts to recognize that about themselves, it can really be a huge transformation because now on campus they'll start to be more engaged in conversations and be willing to, you know, hang out with the guys, you know, during 
some of the dead times instead of just withdrawing, you know, being by myself and whatever I do. Yeah. And man, we need that so desperately as, you know, as just humans. as humans. And yeah. and on top of that, in our worldview and that we're created in the image of God. And one of the very first thing God does is puts us into community with him and with other humans. And man, what a blessing it is when you have a true community you can rely upon. And a lot of the guys coming here don't, they don't have that. They don't the have that. The only community they have is people who are in the same problem situation yeah. they're in. Yeah. Their families are gone. Yeah. Right. Their families have basically booted them out. Yeah. And then, or enabled them so much that they no longer, well, no longer exist. Yeah. Non-existence. Yeah. Um, or you're so tethered to being, well, you're just an addict. You know, and that just defines everything mm -hmm. about you. And, and no one cares. No one cares what happens to an addict. Right. I don't care which politician you find that cares about all these different things. Addicts. It's hard, right? It's hard to... Yeah. One reason they don't care is because it's so difficult to deal with. Mm. So difficult to deal with. Yeah. Um, and I know you've seen that in just working this program with the guys that some really excel and then others... You can feel them fighting this change and what, what's being asked of them. And because it's difficult for them, even if they have the desire, right, to overcome, it's so many different Yeah. One of the things I try to do, um, as is known, part of the early stage of the program here is for them to assemble at the Central Church of Christ. They have to go to church. For a lot of them, that's a brand new experience. Yeah. What am I doing here? Right. <laughs> what happens? Yeah. And then some old guy with a gray beard shows up and says, Hi, I'm Ed Ditto, who are you? Yeah. And after a while, we get to know people a little. Um, they begin to develop some association there, one can hope. One of the things I like to enforce with them, Stuart, is, okay, you have fallen. This is your second time through, third, fourth. Right. Super. That's part of the process. That's the way God treats me and yeah. you. right. I fall down, he picks me up, dusts me off, starts me over, I'm accepted again, I build from that and go on. And it's never over until we die. Yeah, right. It's never over. Until yeah, it's we a die. message we don't say enough in our churches. We 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 don't talk about that ongoing sanctification or right. transformation and right. repentance. Right. That in the fact, blood of Christ continually continually cleanses because we're in desperate need. One thing I think is interesting about um, MRT is I've always thought what if you took this to a typical adult Bible class? Because the principles about being honest and being open and serving others and what a challenge it would be. Now, not all of it would fit because it assumes something about, you know, the nature of your background and, mm -hmm. and the things you're, you know, that it's asking you to do. But it would be really easy to, to make that fit among any kind of Christian environment. I thought, wow, this is, this is really calling us to be a community of people who are open and honest with each other mm -hmm. and who are relied upon each other. And yeah. that's, that's the well, church. You've been, <clears throat> you've been through the training to be certified. I have. And you and I are not addicts. Yeah. Wrong answer. We right. are. Right. <laughs> Just to, to we, don't abuse, we don't abuse substances. But we're, we're addicts yeah. to something to sin. That's right. <clears throat> but I went through this. Yeah. And it was a three-day class that I went through staying in a hotel in Memphis with a recovering addict who was going through the class with me. Mm. And at night, we would talk about this together. Yeah. And he had a different perspective of it than I mm -hmm. did. His answers on his pages, the things he drew with the stick men and people <laughs> were different from mine. 
But you know what? They said mostly the same thing. Same thing. Right. Same message. Wow. And I thought, how close to being an addict am I? And what do I need to work on yep. while I'm learning to be a yep. teacher of this product? Yeah, because it's really easy to say, well, those, and growing up in a church environment, it was, well, these are the sins that, boy, are really off limits and taboo. And that's the ones that get talked about all the time. Mm -hmm. And then maybe it's those other acceptable ones that are much more dangerous because, you know, yeah. never being challenged on them and, you know, just coming up to the forefront of you need to deal with it. You need, this is something mm -hmm. that's keeping you from a relationship. That you might you remember Alan, Alan Wright's felony sins. Okay, yeah. Misdemeanor That's right. Sins. That's right, we do that. What a misconception. Yeah. They're all felonies. They'll so, send you to hell. <laughs> so it sounds like um, you've had some of the same kind of epiphanies that I've had in this kind of material and others like this where it's like, it's really just becomes a mirror, right? Reflecting back to me saying, really? saying yeah, I'm, there's really not that much difference. Not that much. On one of these things where you have to draw what you're, what one of what your biggest problem is, you have to. You can't write it. It's forbidden to write. You yeah, have to draw. Got to draw. I drew a picture of a stick man looking in a mirror. Okay. Guess who I saw? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm my biggest problem. Yeah, right. That's me. So we. Uh, it's certainly been a great help, just from a practical standpoint, of you being another MRT facilitator. And it's a really great program. It's the one program, of course, we're offering to non-residents once a week. Um, through our rediscovery program, which is, you know, um, not everyone can come to a residential facility right. like this. And certainly we don't have a, a women's component. And so we're offering this, you know, as you know, once a week. And so we have a female facilitator, which is great. Um, and she's leading that class every week. Um, and, you know, that's something uh, I wonder what your thoughts are about a, a class like this that's once a week which is typical programs all throughout, yeah. you know, recovery programs versus a program like that's this being a part of a residential program that's basically 24-7. Stuart, I have, to, I have to answer that through the eyes that look at me. For my sin addiction, I've planned, I've spent 75 years working on well, I was a child part of the time. <laughs> I've spent a long time working on healing me. I ain't there yet. Yeah. Forgive my grammar. I'm not there yet. These guys are not going to get there. These ladies are not going to get there one day a week. Yeah. It's got to be ongoing. Yeah. I've heard of programs around Huntsville and other places where they spend mm, 21 days, some number of a week, a, a month, or right. some number that's in my mind, short. Okay, great. Something's better than nothing. God can heal them. That's right. God can heal them in a minute yeah. if, he, if that's what He wants. What I know of me, though, it's going to take longer than a mm. one-week program. Yeah. That's one of the reasons judges, I think, are happy with this MRT program is because it takes a while. It takes a while to get in, through. In prisons, I've never done this in prisons, the lady who taught my class has, and she was pretty good. Did, was that the same lady that you did? I don't remember. I don't she know. was a live wire, man. Well, I, I enjoyed our our, our, our teacher. I don't. This, anyway, she has taught it to men in prisons behind bars with yeah. men. Yeah. And uh, what they call career criminals. Uh, yeah. Long term boys. Yeah. Um, so it takes a long time. 
um, to heal. Yeah. In fact, we don't. Right. We'll heal when we die. And and in fact, a part of that healing is going to be, in fact, most of that healing is going to be not in a classroom. Right. It's going to be living out things. It's going to be right. out there um, and being active in whatever you're learning to now be, you know, incorporating and working on and struggling with and wrestling mm, with. And yeah. the next time you have that moment with the guy you don't like so much, how are you going to react? You know, you got you to go through those experiences. And that Reminds me of the story, Stuart. One of the, one of the men who's gone through this program is now apparently doing really well. Won't say names. I was with him as a volunteer. I took him to court. We were in the courtroom. And when we came out, the judge and the prosecutor realized he was in the program. He had the little sheet that we carried. And they said, okay, we'll postpone all of this till you're done, and then we'll talk about it. We came out, and when we came outside the door, and I'm going to run the risk of identifying the guy now, but he won't care. He, we passed a guy, and I could tell. Yeah. There's something going on. going on here. This, so I didn't say a word there in the parking lot. Got in my truck. He got in the truck. We started over to get something for lunch. I said, all right. What happened right mm -hmm. there? He said, you noticed. I said, yeah, it was pretty obvious. <laughs> he said, that's the guy that shot me. Mm. And I said, and you didn't leap on him and kill him. He said, I'm trying, he goes, I'm trying. Mm. Yeah. We talk about that when we meet. Yeah. And he's still yeah. working that over. Right, right. He's still working. He'll bring it up. Yeah. He'll say, I'm still good. And by the way, tomorrow I have to call him about another subject. Okay. It's a glad, glad I remembered that. <laughs> it's, it's always something yeah. with them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and They're needy they, like I am. They are. And some of their experiences, though, are too, we realize just how difficult it is for them to work through and process and, and overcome in mm -hmm. a way that's like, oh, man, I, I don't know if I could... Step up to that the challenge. Dude shot me. I got a chance now. What am right. I going to do with him? <laughs> right. There's and it's incredible how many stories like that are mm -hmm. are in in this particular environment. These guys, you know, that have known each other out on the streets, running together or opposed to each other, and and, against each other. and we've had some of that just recently. We had a guy stand up at graduation and say, um, "Well, just last week," and he pointed to one of the new guys and said, "You know, this guy came in and." They had collided in some significant way, just like you're talking about. And he said, but now he's my brother. <laughs> it's like, well, there you go. Well, that's kind of the impact that I don't know if I'd have gone through. A, a, a really big illustration of this, Stuart, and I can say these names because they've been on national television. You and I have talked about it. Um, Greg Edmonds' new wife. Yes. A Jocelyn. Jocelyn, yeah. Jocelyn, by her own admission, was one of the... Alabama most wanted list of tough criminals. She's a feminine little woman that's beautiful and a wonderful woman, and she's on the most wanted list. And when I saw her, I thought, no, this isn't a criminal. I would yeah, right, that. right. She was. The, the guy who arrested her many times became ill and needed a kidney. And she saw that. And she offered hers, and it was a magic fit. The Lord did this. Mm -hmm. She gave him a kidney. He's doing well. She's doing well. That guy said, if I had to make a list of the hundred people who I thought might give me a kidney, yeah. she wouldn't She's, be honest. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that was right. great. What a story that God can do with this stuff. 
Um, and yeah. she and Greg have now gotten over coronavirus. I talked to them day before yesterday. Yeah, I heard that. That's good news. They're over it. They're back to doing what they do. She's starting a recovery program. Yeah, so, you know, it's easy if you haven't been around addiction or that, again, as you said earlier, hardly anyone cares about the addict. Mm -hmm. It's easy just to, you know, classify and marginalize. And then you hear a story like Jocelyn's mm -hmm. and go, oh, there is transformation available. It really is real. And that's one thing I love being a part of this program is really see that very frequently. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of messiness the other way too, for sure. Well, they Where fail. They do. There's failure that we, you know, there's... Um, I said they, Stuart, I mean we. Yeah, well, but you're talking <laughs> to our residents, yeah. You know, we have um, tomorrow, the house will be going to funeral home for a young man who I'm sure was in your class at some point because he was here not too long ago. And, um, you know, he's like 21, 22 years old. And... Um, He'd been through the program a couple times, not finishing every time, but you know he's making the choices that he, he that he's he can't work through this, and you know he lost his life to it, and that that kind of stuff you know really weighs heavy, um, and and it unfortunately happens often enough where we know it's a real possibility. Every time a guy, you know, we, you just have that sense when guys leave is there, is he really prepared for moving on from where he is now? And we knew that about this this young man and it's like we were really afraid for him and um, and one of the things that I don't know how official and formal it is but there are some I'll call them halfway houses I, I don't know the right term transition house for us transition houses um, where guys can go and stay and be monitored mm -hmm. and have much less supervision be more on their own right. but transitioning um, maybe a biblical word is transformed Mm -hmm. from the book of Romans yeah. uh, to learn how to be transitioned, transformed. That's good. Hooray. Uh, hooray. Yeah, we definitely encourage that um, for our guys. And now we have, a, there's a number of houses, one right across the street mm -hmm. and then several others around town where right. uh, graduates of ours are running those. And um, yeah, some guys need that for, we need a lot longer read it. We're six months. We're trying to extend that to nine months soon, probably start of the I year. about that. And, um, but you know, guys, need long runways we all do we all we need we need some we need some networking we need some it's a community good way to say it we're not helicopters we need long runways yeah, I right, like that right, I yeah, haven't, haven't thought about that before well let's um, uh, we've already touched on some of this but um, did you have before how did you get involved with his way let's just go back several years have you ever heard of one Clyde Jones <laughs> happens to be the founder <laughs> of his way yes happen to know him oh my goodness as I've heard the story Clyde and another guy worked with a, a fella who had a felony charge and was addicted and got him through somehow. And it's I like the mid-2000s, right? Yeah. Going back to that story, yeah. Sort of a derivative of the old, uh, what was the program? We used the Bridge, the bridge, the bridge group? Program. Like, uh, that yeah, was like a one, program, one, yeah. one week, one day, one day a week yeah, class. Yeah, and they did the 12-step stuff. Right. Um, but they, they worked with this guy, according to what I heard Clyde say, and Clyde, they got him through it, and, and he's really doing well. He's doing great, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Clyde said, well, that was easy. That was easy. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's told me since, boy, I didn't boy, know. 
what? But yeah, I think they recognized that once that a week was going to be hard to do yeah. for everybody. And so this house up the hill here was uh, a place where uh, people with Alzheimer's were, were warehoused, for lack of a better term. And it became the residence for the His Way program first. Uh, and Sharon and I were just kind of, I don't know, mingled in a little along with it. We helped move some people. We helped do some stuff. And, and we're not all that involved now, even. Uh, I get to be a volunteer. I get to carry them to court. And by the way, I've brought all of them back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so part you were, uh, no, the, the first I knew that you were doing things kind of officially as a volunteer was our court ambassador program. Right. And where, you know, we probably at any given time, a third or half of our guys have ongoing legal cases. And, mm -hmm. you know, we got to where... We, as staff, it was just hard for us to take them and spend right. three, four, six hours right. a day um, and being gone from campus to go. And it's not just in this county. You've probably, you've taken some long trips with guys. Birmingham's a long way it's off. Pretty good, it's pretty good <laughs> to haul. And so we recruited um, yeah. guys like you, and that has been a huge blessing to be able to. And, and of course, I, what I love about that idea is beyond just helping out the staff here and, and the amount of time it takes to do that, is I love for our guys to be exposed to mature Christians. And we've had some of them ask, why are they doing this? It's like, well, because... Why don't you ask them? Yeah, ask them. <laughs> but it's, you know, that's uh, this is this is when... It's, MRT tries to get you to this point. It's because mm -hmm. helping other people for the sake of helping them is a blessing. <laughs> and, right. it's, and it's what we're called to be. And it, But more than just that, it's a command. It's, that it's a blessing. So I appreciate that you've been involved with that for a number of years. I think it goes back to 2016. Yeah, I remember taking a picture of the first group of you yeah, guys right down here. In the corner um, with our ridge. <laughs> and now you're doing the MRT. And what, what, why do you, why did you find that you wanted to be involved at that level and being, you know, what, what, what I've kind of maybe said some things that would fit, but what from your own words? It's a very unsatisfying answer, but it's the truth because it needs doing. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't satisfy people who want deep philosophical, scriptural. Right. Stuart, it needs doing. Yeah. The guys who are addicts, and I'm including me, need people. Mm -hmm. And they see you, they see Tom, they respect you, Daryl, you know, the, the, the staff here. They look up to you. When, in these classes, we ask them, who are people you trust? And they name your names. Right. But they need people who are in the Real world? What do they call it? The outside yeah, world? Civilians. Whatever. You know. Civilians. <laughs> yeah, off-campus. Off-campus world. Yeah. They need that. Sure. And so my answer is, because it needs doing. Yeah. Uh, why would I empty the trash at church? Because it needs emptying. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that easy. Yeah, and I think a call to Christians is you don't have to start something from scratch. I and mean, you see a right. need and find a group that's doing something and just attach yourself to Climb it. Climb on. And let them say, hey, what... And you've always had this heart of just, hey, here I am. What, what, needs, what needs to be done, you know? Here, here's something that happened last weekend. It's formal, whatever that is. Yeah, I don't know what it stands for. I don't either. They couldn't tell me. Yeah. Uh, but I am now a certified recovery coach. Yeah. What Peer that means specialist, is yeah. whatever they need. Okay. Yeah, right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and there's uh, other organizations, uh, really, they want all their, we do too, but uh, very formally, you know, this is a first level of a certification, certification, which we host from time to time on campus by a man out of Decatur who puts it on. He's so actually out of Fayetteville. Oh, Fayetteville, okay. The, the program's Decatur. Gotcha, okay. 
Whoa, what a guy. Yeah. His story yeah. is incredible. And so that's it's probably the third time we've hosted that on campus, yeah. so which is really good. So I appreciate, yeah, you doing that. And, you know, you're just getting more information. So speaking of that, had you had any experience with, you know, an addict, substance abuse in particular? I knew, uh, my uncle, and he's dead now, so I can tell his story. And so is his mom and daddy. They're all dead. I can tell this story. My uncle, we called him Uncle Bubba. Get out your stereotype. Yeah. That was him. <laughs> he was an alcoholic, and he was in and out of it, in and out of it. And he was, when I knew him the best, I was 14 or 15 years old. We lived way out in the country, and he came to live with his mother and daddy who lived on our property. They had built a house on our property. And he was in his late 20s, early 30s, but he was about 15 years old because mm. of his addiction. Right. And so we, we were just messed yeah, right together. Right, right. He could drive. He could buy beer. Yeah. yeah. You know, he, he enjoyed having fun with the younger kids. He played kids. with us. Mm. We went hunting together. Right. And so that experience, I grew up and away from him. Because he never did leave 15. Yeah. In fact, when he died, I went to Oklahoma to see him about a week before he died. He was 15, mm-hmm. still in his 70s. Um, so that experience with, with him as an addiction was, was the first I remember. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, Stuart, seeing others, when I was in the Navy, people were encouraged to get drunk. Mm-hmm. They would go over on, off the ship, and the more they could drink the better it was, and the slobbering drunk, drag them back. And I was the guy that went over with them sober to bring them back. Mm. Um, there's a better way, there's a better way. Yeah, for some reason, alcohol in particular has always been um, not just acceptable, but quite encouraged. Uh, yeah, encouraged and celebrated. Not until you could go over and drink. Yeah, got your, got your little enough. wet bar and... You know, that, that's just going to be a part of the meeting, yeah. right? It's going to be a part of the social event. Enough, enough Navy stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So, um, I- Oh, one of, part of my education, Stuart, um, is I have a half a master's degree in counseling. Oh, okay. I yeah. didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Cool. Well, when I was doing my engineering work in Chattanooga, I had a, a corporate office job and I was bored and wondering what to do. And so I went back to school at night. And actually did a half a master's degree in counseling. Uh, never did finish because I became a youth minister in Oklahoma and didn't have time to. I was using all that stuff. So, yeah, I have that. Um, and your career, though, kind of in the, in the you know, in the corporate world or whatever was... I made nuclear reactors work. Right. So, Drove a submarine. And here you are now <laughs> teaching a kind of a sociology, psychological, you know, based... A program to reprogram, mm-hmm. you know, thinking. Their, their computers. And, my... you know, of course, my background is uh, an engineer and software developer. Hey, and, what are you doing here? Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and, and I do recognize that, you know, there's a lot of uh, know-how that I don't have here. And so it's, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not a frontline counselor and, you know, I'm more of a back office, you know, IT and data, but also I get to teach the guys and picked up. And I'm curious for you, um, what maybe is there anything new about addiction or your thoughts about addiction that over the past four or five years you've been really involved here um, that you know insights or 
maybe misconceptions you realize that maybe you or others have about substance abuse that you've seen? Yeah, yeah. And one of them is big to me, it's family. Sharon and I were blessed. We have three sons and, and they all avoided hmm. substance addictions. Yeah. They all avoided it. Now, they did, and we're blessed. Uh, they got their own problems. But had we had that problem with our kids, I fear that I would have been an enabler. Right. I would almost bet that I would have been. Yeah. I've learned about enabling yeah. and, and, a, and a better way for families to respond by paying attention. Yeah. And this class this past weekend was really about that because the teacher, um, Phil Rogers, has a son who has lost an addiction. And, and it touched me uh, Saturday morning when Phil said, I don't know where my son Mark is. Will you guys pray for him? Boy. Yeah. And it's easy when you're a million miles away from that or talking in the abstract, you know, it just to yeah. people not going through it. Well, why don't you just, and well, how could you ever have let? And when it's like, man, when you get down and meet people and you're involved in it and it's messy. You and get down it's, here in the rut. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the guys that ride with me to Birmingham or wherever we go to Court Athens or somewhere, um, they want to talk. Mm -hmm. They want to tell their stories. Some of them want to just sleep. Yeah. And I've learned that then that's what they need to do in my truck. Yeah. If they want to talk, good. I always start them out. When we pull out of the parking lot here, I always start them off with the question, why are we going to court? Mm-hmm. And to that see where they is are, a clue. Kind of gauges. It'll either go from that or they'll go to sleep. Yeah. Somewhere in between. Yeah. But, so I've learned, Stuart, that they are their own people. Yeah. I have to let them be that. Yeah. I have to be there when they need something. If I can get to them, if I can't, I can find out. Tom knows who to get for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have a number of great resources mm -hmm. now. Of uh, and, and obviously, it's what we're trying to do here. And as a full-time residential facility versus a once a week, mm -hmm. you get to really know the guys, get to know their families, and yeah, that's and, neat. And 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 we recognize that we're not doing as much as we want to do in that area because what you imagine yourself as a father going through this and wondering if you'd be an enabler and assuming you would be, where would you turn for resources, right? And it's not something that's talked about a lot. In where would you turn for somebody you weren't ashamed to ask for? That's right. Because shame is big. Very much so. My son's a failure. I'm ashamed of it. I guess one thing that I say it's you know that's happened with the really explosion of you know substance abuse, particularly opioid, yeah. uh, is it's kind of inescapable. Now you, you ask a crowd. We've done this several times when we've been given when we've been giving information type town hall. We've done some of that, and you know Tom will just ask how many of you, if you're willing to show hands, have you know someone in your immediate family or a friendship who is struggling with this. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's 80% yeah. or matter, you know, so it, maybe the shame part of it hopefully is, is diminishing, but you know, for an individual, yeah, to wonder, can I even bring this up to my family that my son or, you know, whatever is going through, or I'm going through this and where do I turn? And we want to be that kind of resource for not just the residential life, but mm -hmm. also for families. And, and so we're trying to, you know, um, broaden, what we can do in those areas. It's so difficult. awareness, Stuart, reducing the shame and awareness. 
Yesterday I had my teeth cleaned. That's always a thrill. I love it. <laughs> Just, so I had my teeth cleaned yesterday, and this lady's digging around and gouging in my mouth, and we're talking about coronavirus and all this stuff. And I looked over, and on the screen they had my latest x-ray. Yeah. With all the metal and a few of the bones and things still there. What's left? <laughs> What's left? <laughs> and I said, what would my mouth look like if I used methamphetamines? Mm. And she said, none of that would none be that. there. It's crazy. I said, how much of that do you see? She said, we know them when we see them. Yeah. This is my oral hygienist. When the dentist came in, she said to him, here's something he asked. Mm-hmm. And she told the dentist, they have to check her work. The dentist said, they don't have any teeth. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it's just, Stuart, wow, it's even the dentist know what to look for. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a hideous, horrible thing. It's pervasive. And our guys, once they're, Phil Rogers said, once you cross that line, you're in it. Mm-hmm. He was talking about people who have health problems, who have to take the opioids for the pain and stuff. And once they've been on them so long, they're now addicts. Mm, yeah. They, they are. They didn't get there illegally. Yeah. But they're now addicts. Yeah. And they've crossed the line. And, and wow. Yeah, and there's a lot of different paths, as you're kind of mm-hmm. alluding to there. And it, it happens every walk of life. Mm-hmm. And every, you know, people, people, I think, have a vision of what an addict is, a face. And it's like, if you have a face in mind... Then it's not it's not right. meaningful because it's every face can and eventually we'll get there. Yeah, it's it's it'll eventually look like because even right face. now we've got you know we've almost at any given time on campus our makeup we're going to have you know um, like 19, 20, 21 year olds we we don't take anyone below eighteen we're not really set up for that we got to be an adult legally and then all the way up into the sixties and sometimes seventies right. right. um, and people who have you know had blue collar jobs who have had white collar jobs who've had never had a job um you know it, <laughs> okay. just people that have resources and money and people that have nothing that were basically homeless and the whole the whole gamut and yeah. and so that which presents another challenge of how you um you know can address a a, a a different you know very population that's got a lot of differences in it but what i love to see is the house um, when things are going well and there's a good spirit here um, that they're pulling for each other and, yeah. and these different socioeconomic racial groups are just like one family. We've yeah. had several several uh, residents recently comment, this, you know, this feels like church. And it's like, yeah, this this well, is a community of, you know, people who are pulling in the same direction. That's yeah, exactly what the church is, should be. Church is supposed to feel like this. It's supposed to feel like this. If That's it right. doesn't, then the church needs healing. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we maybe it shouldn't be a once a week right. come in and think we're getting <laughs> some information and we're all good. So So Stuart, you were you were you were talking earlier about things that drew me and Sharon to have what little involvement we've got. I have to be careful. I don't want to identify anybody. Earlier in the program, a man came through, and Sharon and I got to know him. And when he came in the program, he was married. They were partiers, bar, bar hoppers, mm-hmm. shoot up together. Right. The family that uses dope together does yeah. whatever together. Right. <laughs> we had them to our house. And we started, now Sharon and I are not marriage counselors. We've enjoyed 53 years of 
It's Mary a practical Bliss, tour. yes. She survived it. She put up with me. We had them in our house, and we, but just it was obvious. These, he was now a good way through the program. She was still out there. Mm-hmm. It ain't going to work. We got to do something for this lady. Yeah. I don't know how much now I know there's some work toward families, helping the families yeah. know how to recover as well. Um, and I know there's limits. But I know some work is being done in that, and yep. that's super to me. Yep. Marriages are so precious in this world. Right. And you guys, his way is trying to help some, and I don't pretend to know how much or what, but yep. some. And that's that's a super draw for me. Yeah, that's that's critical. The family, the family component is mm-hmm. because ultimately when a, when typically a guy that's you know in the bubble, if you will, of this program can thrive and yeah. because there's accountability there are things there's responsibility <laughs> yeah everything but you know there becomes the point the transition the transformation moment mm-hmm. where you're back into whatever circumstances that probably were part of what led you here and you know there's still family that's out there mm-hmm. and what's that they're still like? enablers and yeah <laughs> and whatever the situation how much has that changed and you know i know when they do the family meetings um tom and jeremy the guys that lead those you know, they just come out and say it, that you, you, this is going to be a, a change that you need to be a part of. And that may be for you to change also. And they try to identify that. Like I said, they're, we're constantly looking for ways mm-hmm. of making that more. And this change that we're, <clears throat> we're going to probably make to lengthen the program, there's going to be more family meetings, more involvement and stuff. Yeah. So, well, yeah, and it's an it's a, it's a, it's a ongoing um, battle. And it's a good battle to be, to be a part of, to, to really help um, these men and their families um, have a new hope and a new life. Hope. And, and Stuart, isn't that a big it's word? A, it's a big wow. thing. It's a big thing. And a lot of the guys that come you through don't have it. this and love and stuff to give them hope. Yeah. You can just see the light. And set goals and, yeah. and have purpose and... And and I think you know I know I know I've known you for a very long time, and I know that you uh, you know that the only worldview that is going to make that work is one that is rooted to a relationship with Christ. Yes, and yeah. uh, so it's um, the beautiful thing about being a part of this ministry, and I really appreciate all the support you've given. I know you've given financially, and now you're giving even on top of that um, your time and your emotion in your heart and um and it does make it you say it's not very much but it makes a huge difference so thank you so much and thanks for sitting down with me you're welcome so um if you'd like to have any more um information about his way please visit our website at hiswayinc.org